Welcome to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, with your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Zanetta Adams, Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Today, we're talking about suicide prevention and the importance of the information and making sure that you're sharing out with veterans. Um, joining us today will be David Woods Bartley, a suicide survivor who has been named the 2021 Mental Health Champion by the Steinberg Institute for the discussions he gives on the subject. Alyssa Canole, a licensed clinical social worker with the VA and Julie Courtright, a health and welfare analyst with the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency and the co-lead for the Governor's Challenge on Suicide Prevention. This is an important show. Remember that if you're struggling or you're triggered by anything today, you can always call 988 and press 1, which is the Veterans Crisis Line. We look forward to an informative show, one that can save lives. So we'll see you after the break on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Today, we're talking about suicide prevention. And it's really interesting that um, this past week, um, I was able to attend along with uh, a couple of uh, uh, folks from the MVAA, the Governor Suicide Prevention Challenge, uh, SAMHSA VA conference, where uh, folks from across the country came together to talk about some of the things that they're doing in their state around suicide prevention. And so, you know, Julie uh, Courtright, the health and welfare analyst at the um, Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, as well as the co-lead and a rock star for the Governor's Challenge, um, is going to join me during this segment as well to kind of talk about her perspective and what 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 information she gained as well as um, from the conference that we attended, because I, I thought it was very informative. So welcome back to the show, Julie. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, so, um, you know, the the conference that we attended, wow, uh, it was two days of information provided by the VA, provided by SAMHSA technical assistance, and then provided by other states on their best practices. Um, I mean, what did you think? What did you what did you get from that? It was just very inspiring, very innovative, um, just the importance of how it's important to reach in and reach in consistently. Um, and to not give up with that reaching in and to also just really make sure your messaging, not only for uh, veterans and service members, but to include that caregiver and to include those family and children so that they know that they served as well. You know, that that is so true. Yeah. And it's so important because sometimes, you know, when we're doing our work around veterans, we forget about the families and the families are the backbone of making sure that there's wellness throughout the household and throughout the, the family unit. And so it is important to make sure we're thinking about the children. And, you know, I actually sat in a um, session that was talking about diverse, diverse age populations, and they, they talked about children. They also talked about um, the aging population. And, and we know in Michigan, we have over 200,000 of our 550 some odd thousand veterans that are um, 65 and older. And uh, one of the things that stuck with me was there was there was this quote, and I'm not going to get it right right now, but it was uh, a quote that talked about how um, 
once once those uh, veterans retire, that's when you know PTSD sets in because it's they're not doing anything and they're not busy. And that that resonated with me, and it resonated with me because you know in dealing with all my, my own struggles of suicide. Um, you know, one of the things my therapist said is like, you know, you, you, you know, you're, you're one of the people that you, 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 you mask your, 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 your uh, coping very well because you work like I'm, I'm like a workaholic. Some people drink, some people utilize, you know, drugs, illegal drugs. You know, I work and, you know, I think about the times where I'm like, I just have to, I have to keep busy because I don't want to, I don't want to get in my own head. I don't want to think about it. Um, but then it made me think, I'm like, when I retire or when, or maybe I'll never retire because I don't want to have time to think. Um, but when I retire, am I going to be in that same situation where now everything starts to flood back and I start to really focus on what's going on with me? And then that lead to, to stressor incidents. So it's important that we're reaching that population and making sure that they're finding purpose even in retirement. So, I mean, I, you know, you talked about the children and what, what was like a, a key thing you think you took away from that when talking about um, caregivers and children? Really just learning more about the uh, Purple School program that was being rolled out in Utah and just being able to make those connections to other states, uh, because that's what's great about this framework is that we're all in this together and we're sharing best practices. You know, Michigan, we're able to share what we're doing really well in and we can see what other states are doing and be able to replicate it and learn and know that, hey, we tried this, but this worked a little bit better and here's why. So excited yeah. to kind of make those connections and bring more people into the governor's challenge like the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, AARP. Uh, so very excited and energized from the conference. Well, you know, you know, you bring up a great point, and I think it, it'd be important too to make sure we're bringing in, um, you know, advocates that work with youth and and promoting uh, suicide prevention, because in in the that session that I sat in, which was interesting, some of the numbers about the number of children who are in military <coughs> related households have a greater uh, have a greater chance for suicide, actually, which is. That was interesting. Um, they weren't able to show the correlation between whether the parent um, or the parents had any mental health issues, but the spouse had a higher rate um, and the, the children had a higher rate. And um, I think the two common ways were by firearm and hanging. So we need to really make sure that we're reaching into those communities as well, even more so when we talk about um, when we talk about the whole family and we talk about service members, veterans and their families. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, that's a great thing for those who are listening. You know, we have this governor suicide prevention challenge team and we, we talk about three areas that, you know, of asking the question, um, improving care transitions and, you know, promoting connectedness. And then the last one is lethal means safety, which is, which includes firearm safety and medication, uh, safe medication storage. And so, uh, you know, if you have an interest in being a part of this and, and part of your work is suicide prevention and you're really out there uh, helping and trying to make a difference in that area, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to talk to you and see how maybe you can be a part of our team because it, it's continuing to grow, but the work is continuing to get done as well. And so it's really exciting. Um, Julie, thank you so much for joining me on this segment. I know we'll be talking a little bit later on in the show as well, but um, thanks for all the work that you've done with the suicide um, uh, prevention team. And uh, I know you're going to be leaving us to go to another department within the state, but 
what I'm really excited about is um, the hope that you'll still be joining us on the challenge. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. All right. When we come back, we'll be speaking with David uh, Woods-Bartley on the Veterans Perspective. So see you when we return. All right, welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Joining me as our first guest on the show is David Woods-Bartley. David is a suicide attempt survivor turned TED Talk speaker, international mental health presenter, and subject matter expert on suicide awareness and prevention. His life having been saved, David is now committed to moving the conversation about mental illness and suicide from the dark shadows where they now live in the forefront of public concern. In doing so, his mission is to shine a bright light on the the crisis we now face and open doors to the possibility of mental health for everyone everywhere. Welcome to the show, David. Good morning, Director. How are you today? Good, 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 good. Um, you know, I understand you're calling in from California, so thank you for your time and thank you for your your energy today. <laughs> um, you know, we're talking about suicide prevention today, and you know, I find your story so interesting. I'd love for you um, maybe to share a little bit how you um, came to the point of suicidality and 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 what changed your mind. So um, almost exactly 11 years ago, on August 31st, 2011, I was going to kill myself. As I say, in answer to your question, Dan, that was the day that the monster, actually it was a three-headed monster of trauma, depression, and suicidal ideation, convinced me of this slate of dark and awful lies that I was worthless and useless, that I was grotesque and ugly, that I had no redeeming value. And most damning was that I had become a burden and that everybody would be better off without me. And so I made my way to the 730-foot tall Forest Hill Bridge, which is, lies about two hours east of the more famous San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge. But in that position, make a long story short, a first responder created connection with me. And my whole takeaway, what my, what my foundation that I speak upon is that connection creates hope. Hope is a weapon. And hope saves lives because when somebody like myself, somebody when our beloved veterans, when they have hope, they won't kill themselves. And I really think within the military community, and I love the military, and I can explain why in just a little bit, that we can leverage hope. We can give veterans, we can arm them so they can arm themselves and defend themselves against the monster of trauma and depression and suicide with hope in hand. Yeah, that's, you know, first of all, I want to thank you for your courage and and coming out and sharing your story. That's, you know, that's a hard thing to do. And it's, it's, 
for anybody that hears stories of, of survival, um, I don't know how much they realize how hard that is to do. I, I can tell you, I realize that. I mean, as you were talking about your story and your reasons for why you were ready to depart this earth, it, you know, I, I was like, was he reading my bio? Like what? <laughs> um, because that's exactly where I was as well. And, and you, you speak about hope. You know, hope is so important. Um, we were at this conference this past week um, for the Governor Challenge on Suicide Prevention. And one of the, the presenters or the moderators talked about the acronym for hope and that, you know, for some, it means, you know, hearing other people's experiences. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and that's important as well, because that's how you that's how you that's how you can bring about hope in someone else's life. So I'm so glad that you're out there being the person that was there for you, for others. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, you talked about bringing this discussion out of the shadows. How have you been doing that over the last, I think you said 11 years. So how have you been doing that? And, you know, I'll say one other thing, ma'am, why, why the other great acronym of hope that I love is hold on pain ends mm-hmm. is this thing that gives us. So really, I'm, I don't use a lot of stats. Uh, typically, when I, when I brief, I don't use a PowerPoint. Really, I'm a storyteller. And I try to give people a different perspective on this thing called suicide. And, and I have a chance now to, to brief all different parts of the community. I'm, I'm very passionate about the military. My, my eldest brother, is really, who's really more like my dad, as we lost our father when I was just seven, he was 18. He's a retired 08, 41 years in the army, one of those rare Mustangs that started as me one and moved his way up to the two-star. And so I want to honor him. And so now going about and telling my story and, and offering people a different perspective. And one of the things that I say is that, yes, suicide is the enemy, but it's not the target. I think what we're doing is we're, we're putting forth very good resources towards this monster, as I call it. But really, I think if we can shift our aim, knowing that our target is the person who's standing in the line of fire, moving away from this thing, and that because connection creates hope, if we can realize that as soon as we connect with with that person, when there's one other human being, then they're not facing the monster by themselves. And instead of running away, they can turn and face this thing that's coming after them. So it's just offering different perspectives. It's all done by way of stories. I, I use a, a great many stories that involve animals. My former wife and I ran a very large animal sanctuary and everybody loves animal stories, but they're not just, hey, look at this cute dog. It's an animal with a teaching point. And so at my core, I'm a storyteller and somebody who is committed to, to giving back to the world's greatest military, to doing anything I can for any single person to try to, in your words, ma'am, to allow them to hear other people's experiences, to hold on pain ends, and to realize that hope is not, is not that, it's a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's not a train coming. It's the, the experience of inclusion and belonging and the realization that, you know what, I can hold on one more day and things can, in fact, be better. Yeah, that is so important. And I, um, um, and I love this, you know, this idea about connection as well, because I think in both of our stories, right, it was it was connection to someone that pulled us out of that dark place in that moment. But, you know, it, it's not the end all be all. It's an everyday, yeah. it's an everyday fight. 
And that's, that's something I think it's important for people to understand as well. You know, um, you know, I'm in counseling, I'm sure that you, you have been in, in therapy and, and, (laughs) um, and the thing is, is that, you know, these, these thoughts and, and being in the limelight and some of these other things can cause thoughts to creep back in. And so we have to be vigilant and we have to keep those connections. So it's not like, you can stop checking in on people and you can stop <laughs> checking in on your buddy and making sure they're okay. I, I always, I always think, you know, if someone comes to my mind, um, there's a reason they came in. So I'll just mm-hmm. shoot a message, you know, I'll just say, Hey, you know, how you doing? And a lot of times they're not doing the greatest or they just needed somebody to just check on them. And so um, that connection that you talked about is so, so, so critical. Um, What can people do to be that connection for others? I mean, I I teach three things. I teach recognition, understanding, and expression. Uh, I tell people, become masters in the art of remembering people's names. Because there's so many of us who are walking around invisible. And what's going to happen is, and I teach a simple technique, that when you become good at this and all it takes is practice, you're going to remember a person's name that unbeknownst to you on that day that that beloved soul is suffering. They feel invisible. They could be heading down to, to a bad place. And the simple act of you calling them out in the most wonderful way, creating connection, because when we feel connected, we think differently, we feel differently, and we can go into a different direction. The other thing with understanding is human behavior almost never makes any sense And there's always a story behind it. But sometimes we think if I ask you to understand something or someone, I'm asking you to agree with it, but the two don't have anything to do with each other. We don't agree with racism and poverty and drug abuse. But if we don't understand a problem, we're never going to be able to solve it. And, And if we can ask some questions, first question that the first responder asked me as I stood on a tall bridge, a dark spot on a tall, tall bridge was, David, what does it feel like? to be depressed. And so we have to have to ask some counterintuitive questions because if we can give the space for somebody to tell their story, one thing happens, it creates a possibility. All things are great from a possibility. And then the last thing is to express. And per your, what you said, ma'am, you're exactly, I, I agree with you. When, when somebody comes to mind, you're like, okay, there's a reason. And I think we got to let people know how we feel about them. So Dr. William James said that the deepest principle in human nature is the craving to be appreciated. And it's not so much what we do, it's who we are. So my brother, the retired general, taught me that the, really the most powerful way is the good old-fashioned handwritten note. So I say, become good with names, leverage questions, and let people know how you feel. Those are all great ways of creating connections and thus hope. Well, David, I, I, I wish we had more time. This has been a great discussion. We'll have to have you back and we have to have you join our, our challenge team because you're doing some great work out there. Um, we're going to make sure that we share your information so people know how to reach you or maybe get you as a speaker as well. Thank you so much for joining us today and for um, taking your time out to, to share some of your story and your insight into uh, suicide prevention. Thank you, ma'am, very much. Thank you so much for what you're doing and having me on this morning. Thank you. We'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective.
Welcome back to The Veteran's Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now, your host, director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to The Veteran's Perspective. Joining me um, as our next guest along with David, are Alyssa Noel Canole and Julie Courtright. Alyssa is a clinical licensed social worker who's been providing therapy in a recovery program, a residential recovery program, and outpatient mental health clinic for the VA for over the past eight years. She chose to work for the VA because of the care her World War II Army veteran grandfather received in the time in the time that she's been there, the veterans she's worked with impacted the way she looked at suicide prevention and like David's saying of connection and hope are the best medicine. Julie, again, is the health and welfare analyst for the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. She enjoys opening the lines of communication and facilitating healthcare coordination for the clients she serves. With over 16 years in both hospital and long-term care, Julie has experience in program development, strategic implementation, and collaboration. She holds her degree from Ferris State University and professional licensure as a nursing home administrator. She currently serves as the co-lead for the Michigan Governor's Challenge Initiative, which looks at innovative and community-based ways to end suicide in service members, veterans, and their families, and is on the Michigan Hospital Association Health Equity Task Force, where she advocates for the inclusion of military screening and referral processes to ensure service members, veterans, and their families are connected to all earned benefits. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And welcome, Alyssa. Um, First of all, I want to thank you so much for being a part of our Governor's Challenge team and for being here today. So, you know, we we were talking with David earlier, and I know he'll be um, joining us again um, at the final segment today. But um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you're doing at the VA and how you're incorporating suicide prevention efforts into everything that you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here today. Um, At the VA, I'm working as a community engagement and partnership coordinator, and the VA has joined with SAMHSA and the CDC and really looking at the fact that 65% of our veterans nationally are never going to come through the doors of the VA to receive services. What we do know is that veterans who are engaged in care through the VA are we are reducing suicide. So we have evidence-based practices that we know within the VA system are working for the veterans that we see. And so the CDC, SAMHSA, and the VA joined together to say, how do we start to reach the veterans in the community? Um, In doing so, they decided to create these roles that they have rolled out nationally. Um, It is in the beginning stages, so not every VA has one yet, but that will be the goal in the end. Um, What we know about the Upper Peninsula is that we are a very broadly rural area. We actually in the VA system are considered more rural even than Alaska. And so we know that in rural communities um, across the nation, that suicide rates are higher. We also know that our military service members are at higher risk for suicide and that there are certain times when they're transitioning from active service or Army National Reserves and Guards into the civilian world that increases their risk. Things like um, financial instability, new diagnoses that they may be receiving as they're out processing, um, not having a job, not feeling like they fit in. And one of the things that the Upper Peninsula prides itself on is that 
we have a lot of personal space up here. Lots of veterans come up here because they enjoy the fact that there's wide open spaces. Um, as a matter of fact, we have roughly nine to 10% of our population that is veterans, which is actually higher than most of the rest of the nation as well. And where that becomes a problem, um, that, that, uh, that morality, that um, ability to have lots of personal space is when you have someone who isn't having mental wellness and they're struggling, that rurality can become isolation. And so when we're looking at the work that I do has really centered around promoting connection. First of all, how do we identify the veterans, the service members and their families? And how do we create connection over this broadly rural area. So a lot of the work that I've done is an upstream suicide prevention approach to connect people. We know for a fact that when people are established with even one primary care provider or they have good friends or a support system or they have someone in their life, one person that they can reach out to, that they feel that they can talk to, that will prevent suicide. It gives them somebody to talk to. It gives them a support system. It gives them someone who will help them get to the resources that they need if they're struggling. And so uh, the work that I've been doing, uh, especially to bring David, the first time I met David, he was um, up in Houghton a year ago, and they had had a recent suicide and a small coalition I was on decided to bring him up to the UP um, and I got a chance to see him. He talked with mental health providers, community members. He spoke with um, law enforcement at that time. And I remember thinking I had never met someone before who had the ability to share his genuine story of his mental health and his attempt at suicide and do it in a way that really promoted hope and connection. And after watching him at the presentation, I went up to him and I said, I have to figure out how to bring you back. And I want to get you in front of as many service members and veterans as I can. And that's really started the journey of bringing him up here um, to speak this, not this weekend, but August 12th, 13th and 14th. Okay. Yeah. We, we love to uh, hear more information. So um, when it, when it, where is that going to be at? We're going to be traveling. Um, it, we ended up partnering with um, yourselves, the Michigan Department of Veteran Affairs. We partnered with the National Guard Association of Michigan, the Michigan Association of Suicide Prevention, North Care, the Walking with Warriors program, and a bunch of people. And in the process of partnering with those people, organically, we started to create this huge list of places we wanted David to present. Um, it, he's going to be at every single armory in the UP. It's drill weekend. Um, he's going to have captive audiences. Um, they've all been very generous to give us an hour um, at each one of their locations. So we will be at Sault Ste. Marie. Um, we will be hitting the Kingsford Gladstone unit in Gladstone the Ishpeming and Marquette unit in Marquette. And um, we will be in Calumet. And then we're also gonna have some general public presentations. Um, we just found out 
yesterday or the day before, I'm losing track of the time now, but we just found out this week that we're, we've been asked to add a presentation. So we will be presenting um, for the general public, which is um, anyone, if you are a veteran, if you are a service member, if you're a family member, if you work with veterans, if you know a veteran, everybody's welcome to come to these um, general public presentations. They are free. So we will be in the Sault Ste. Marie area Friday, August 12th for a general an evening, probably around 5 p.m. That one's still in the works. So we're getting that the location is still be to be determined. Um, we will be in Marquette um, at the Northern Michigan University. There's a wonderful venue there that's going to so plenty of room um, for everybody to come and see David speak there. On Sunday, we're doing all general public presentations. We'll be in Norway, Michigan at the Coffee Social. We will be in Iron Mountain at the Braumart Theater. And then we will be in Escanaba for his final presentation on Sunday, August 14th um, at the Quality Inn and Suites for his e evening presentation there. Um, also, for, for those who have access to internet and Facebook, the National Guard is going to be um, live streaming every one of his presentations out to Facebook. So if transportation is an issue, feel free to jump online. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about, um, you know, David and what we're doing around suicide prevention when we return from the commercial break. So we'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Um, joining us at, on our final segment are David, Alyssa, and Julie. So we were talking about David and his tour going through, um, coming through Michigan. Um, you know, first off, Julie, I wanted to ask, um, you know, you're, you're doing a lot around the, the governor's challenge and, you know, speaking with a lot of individuals from whether it's gun safety to all these things, how, how is it wrangling so many participants with so many different ideas on what suicide prevention is in this challenge? It's really, it's rewarding because it's, we're able to hear a lot of different unique perspectives and ideas. And this has just been great to hear Alyssa. Um, she'd heard David speak before and say, how can we do this? And then just watching the synergy of bringing everyone together uh, working as a team to raise funding and just promote it. It's been just really energizing and it's going to be great to see this roll out and be able to share it across other states as a practice of, hey, this is something that we did. This is the results. And how can you re replicate it across uh, the framework for the SAMHSA Governor's Challenge? 
Yeah, you know, I think that's important. It's important to all of the work that we're talking about because we talk about, you know, David mentioned connections earlier. And I, I think sometimes people forget, you know, we we all have the best intentions and we go into working with, with veterans and individuals to, to help in the mission based on some of our experiences. And we go into this like really, really ready to help. And sometimes though, we forget that it's important to tap into the network around us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why I, I believe, you know, everything that you all are doing um, from David to Alyssa to you, Julie, is bringing these connections together. Because as you mentioned, you know, having Alyssa on, on, on these governor challenge teams and, and calls is what kind of elicited this response with David to find out more about what he's doing. And now we get to share your great stories, David, across the state, or at least across the UP for sure, right now, right now, um, <laughs> we get to share them across the UP um, with our rural veterans. And that's so critical, you know, uh, sitting in this conference this past week, you know, they talked about rural veterans and their prevalence for um, suicide, unfortunately, and, you know, the higher rates of, of firearms being used. And so we really need to figure out how to reach that community. And this is just one way of doing it. You know, um, David, I'm sure you've spoken um, with uh, veterans in rural, rural populations and communities, and, and actually you've done that in Michigan already. Um, what, what is some of the messaging that you are going to share? I mean, is it different from what you share or is it, is it the same? You know, I, th- I think, Director, it, it's, it's similar. And like you say, it, it's different. I, I think it's important for me to realize the audience that I'm blessed to speak with. I think first, it's about acknowledging. So I break my talk up in, into four segments. It's the, the why, the feeling, the cause, and the healing. What are some of the, the reasons why people in their life? And, and offer something that's a little bit different. In, it's in two parts that when you're suicidal, you become convinced that everything you think is true. So you're in that mindset. And when you're in a rural environment, that becomes exacerbated. Because as my dear friend Alyssa had pointed to, you don't necessarily have input from other people because you're in this isolated space. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of, of the feeling, and as you and I, I still suffer in the sense that I still have intrusive thoughts. I, I still have the occasional thought of killing myself, but I know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. But it's important to let people know how that feels. And also how does a particular soul reach this point, be they a veteran or a, a citizen member? And oftentimes it is unfortunately, like I've suffered a, a confluence of genetics inherited Mm-hmm. And then an experience of, of horrific trauma. And then what do we do to say, well, so I think what I found is to, especially to veterans is to identify and to acknowledge how they feel so that we're not trying to just brush it over under the table and then just immediately go to the solution to allow them to like, Hey, I can totally understand. And here's one possible way for you to be well. So I think that messaging, especially in the rural community in which you're not trying to be Pollyanna, but like, mm-hmm. let's just talk about this and let's offer some solutions. It's been really, really impactful. Well, and yeah, and break down the stigma, right? Because I think no. so many people, you have these folks, I mean, I don't know. Uh, and I know this is not rural veterans, but, you know, when I think about people in rural areas, you know, they have to chop their own wood and, you know, <laughs> and maybe that's not everybody. But, you know, but there's this strong mentality that, you know, um, you know, I, 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 I can't lean on anyone else or I'm not supposed to be feeling this way. And, you know, one of the things I've often said is it's okay to not be okay. Like that is a normal process in life. 
but it's not okay to keep it to yourself. And, you know, whether you are a person, a spiritual person or not, um, one of the things that has helped me, especially when I still struggle sometimes, is that I should not lean on my own understanding of any matter, especially Mm. when I'm not well. You know, it's almost like, you know, uh, having having COVID and um, relying on your sickness to make you well. That's not going (laughs) to... That's not going to help you. You need you need medication. You need rest. You need all those things that are outside of what you're dealing with. And, you know, if we lean on our own understanding of what the situation is, we're always going to be wrong every time. So we need to we need to connect with other people who can actually talk and trusted people. That's the other thing. You know, we have to make sure we have trusted people in our lives. And so when we talk about putting together these plans, um, I know there's like planning apps and things that the VA has um, that you can, you know, your, 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 I forgot what it's called, your care plan. Um, If you're struggling with a mental health crisis, you want to prepare it before you get there, but having this plan in place and making sure that the people that are on this plan are trusted people so that if you need to reach out to someone just to get an understanding of where you are, you're doing that in a safe space and you know, you can trust you can trust the advice that's coming back. Am, am I right about that, Alyssa? I mean, I know there's an app. There's there's always an app for something. There are a number of apps <laughs> that can help with mental health. And the one that I think you're kind of focusing on is the safety plan app. And it gives you a list of, you create for yourself individualized a list of people that you can talk to, places that you can go that just pull you out of yourself and distract you. Um, things that you can do on your own that really work towards helping you cope um, and distract and be present in the moment. And, um, and then it goes as far as saying, okay, if, if those things aren't working, who are some professionals that you're going to reach out to? And then using the, you know, for the veterans, it's 988 plus one for the crisis number. And, really making sure that we're sharing resources with them in that safety plan so that if things escalate, they have people who can step in and say, this is, we're going to help you find what you need right now to get, get you safe. Um, But yeah, you're right on the money. That's a really important step for people is to have trusted people. Yep. And so we, we, you know, you mentioned something, David, and I know we're about to wrap up. Uh, I believe you mentioned something earlier about um, us, uh, about, people um, making sure we're, um, and, and I, I think my, my thought just, just flew away, but, you know, really about us being prepared and, 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 and knowing that these things can creep in. And so, you know, it's not, you, you shouldn't wait till the, till they're there. These, these things can well up. It can be one thing after another, after another, that gets you to this point. And when you get there, you're like, I don't know how I got here, but I'm here. And so that's why it's important to plan. It's just like, um, I think, the saying is, is that um, you fail to plant, you plant, you fail to plant. You, I, I don't remember what the saying is. I'm, it's really early right now. <laughs> um, plan to fail. If you, if you fail to prepare, then you plan to fail or something like that. So um, it's important to, to plan. The VA has several tools out there to help you plan. The MVAA has several resources out there to help you get out of whatever you may be struggling with that may be external to your um, mental health um, issues that you may be struggling with at this moment. And then you have David out there who's an advocate who understands what you may be going through as well, who can help um, guide you through his talks and, you know, or you can go listen to him speak um, about how to get through that. So 
I want to thank you all for joining us today and for your conversation. I, I wish we had more time, but I know that uh, because this is, our, this is my show, I can have you back at any time. So um, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. And so for those of you listening, um, if you are struggling or you need to talk to somebody, you don't have to be suicidal at this moment. You can just be want to talk to somebody about a crisis you may be dealing with. You can call the new 988 number and press one. Um, you can always give us a call at 1-800-MISHFIT. That's 1-800-642-4838 to get connected to any resources out there or just to find out more about any of the speakers today. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next week on The Veterans Perspective.